guys. Welcome back to Revive School. Here we are, Romans 15, almost near the end of another book. It's crazy to think Romans 15 today, Romans 16 tomorrow, and then what do you know, we're on to 1 Corinthians. Uh, until then, though, let's, let's not overlook today. When I, when I saw that Romans 15 was this week, I was pretty excited. Why? Because at the end of Romans 15, it's like, for me, it, it really is one of my driving forces, one of my life verses. Uh, life sections, I should say, in Scripture. But until we get to that point, let's kind of build it up a little bit if we can. So in Romans 15, verse 1, here we are in Lesson 15. Remember yesterday, you guys, we talked about how uh, we have the one another's. You know, we talked about edifying one another, encouraging one another, building up one another. And in Romans 15, you're going to see please one another. Okay, so uh, it sounds kind of like a funny little phrase here, but it is please one another. Uh, let me read this and I'll describe a little bit about myself as well and the pleasing one another's. Uh, now, we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. And then it says in verse 2, each one of us must please his neighbor for his good to build him up. You know, I, I think this is, uh, this is a hard one to do. Like it's a load that you're taking off of somebody, right? And then you're taking it. And so here it says, each one of us must please his neighbor for his good to build him up. How can we truly lift up other people? You know, for my, for my daughters, Nadia and Selah, they share a room. Okay. Right then and there, it should tell you, <laughs> you know, like how can Selah treat Nadia? How can Selah please Nadia by maybe picking up her clothes? So when you walk into the room, she doesn't have to walk over a pile of stuff. Those are little things like that. But he says, look, um, and now we're talking about pra uh, practical and tangible things. But if you look back in verse one, we who are strong. So we've been talking about kind of fleshly things. You know what I mean? About pleasing one another. <clears throat> but it says we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and to not please ourselves. Like, what do you think that would look like? Let me give you an ex a couple biblical examples and then maybe you guys can fill in the blank here. You know, in, in order to bear something like in scripture, in Mark 14, that same word is used as carrying a pitcher of water. So you're physically carrying something for somebody. Uh, you know, in Acts 21, uh, they're carrying a man. In fact, would you go there, Kevin? Acts 21, 35. So the first scenario is in Mark 14, they're carrying a picture, a pitcher of water. In Acts 21, verse 35, it says when Paul got to the steps, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the mob's violence. And so somebody intervened, right? Soldiers. When's the last time you even read that part? Soldiers carried Paul because so many people wanted to get to Paul. Okay, that's the, the bearing of something. That's the pleasing up of something. Now watch. And then if you'll go to Acts 15, verse 10. Acts 15, verse 10. Acts 15, verse 10 says, Now then, why are you testing God by putting a yoke on the disciples' necks that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear? We, we, we can't carry this. So here's the image, okay? We have an obligation to carry, I'm just giving you a visual, a water pitcher, a, a human being, or things that are not of us. We have an obligation to carry these things because some people just can't do that. I want to go back to the simple illustration of just giving up of yourself. Like, is there something that you could be doing tangibly for somebody, right? Because if you're a living sacrifice and you're not holding back, 
you should actually say, let me help you. Let me help take care of that. Last night, this is the, the sweetest text. Somebody on our team, uh, we just sent a random text and just said, let me hold up your arms. Don't quit. Like to me, what an awesome illustration of Romans 15. Like, let me help you. I got it. Let me lift up your arms. So physically, he doesn't live in Texas, so he's not going to be like. <laughs> but in my spirit, I felt weak. And he said, I'll help you. You know what I mean? Like there's something there to breathing life, pouring into people when we don't feel like we can do it. And they say, I can help you. It could be mental. It could be physical. It could be tangible things. But I think the point is, is whatever I can do that would glorify God in righteousness and joy and peace, whatever I can do to walk this out as a citizen of the kingdom of God, let me help take the burden off of you so you don't have to carry it as much. You're putting somebody else. It's the pleasing one another and not yourselves. How do we know? Because look in verse three, in Romans 15, verse three, for even the Messiah did not please himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in verse four, whatever is written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through the endurance and encouragement of the scriptures. So our encouragement, you guys, this is kind of cool, comes through the word of God. We have hope and endurance through the word of God. So how do we get through this? Well, first of all, please read this. I don't know. I just I, I like this picture of giving up of yourself for somebody else. Like last night, I knew I needed to study literally for probably seven to eight hours. I just, I just knew that was going to happen. I knew it was right there and needed to happen. And Jude's like, Dad, I want to play. And so what does he do? He just sits beside me as I study until I'm like ready to go. And so he does it. He's ready to go. He says, all right, Dad, 10 minutes. Let's go. He puts it on his clock and then we just play. And like, I think for me, um, like I needed to let go of the lessons I needed to let go of this. And as strange as this sounds, I just literally just needed to love on him and forget all this and please him by simply playing catch. What did that do? Emotionally, he needed his dad. Physically, he needed his dad. And so it's just those little things. But when we have our own schedules and our own agendas, we typically don't like to give those up. You know, we were in San Antonio this last week. Tony and I and Drew were hanging out with some folks from another country, just having lunch because of the Jerusalem prayer breakfast. As we're sitting there, there's a guy that walks up and what do you know? He's got a tattoo on his arm and you begin this dialogue like we would in any time to revive interaction. Say, hey, tell me about your tattoo. And the next thing you know, he tells me his name. and It's Isaiah. And then we begin to talk about, you know, Isaiah had this phrase, Lord, send me, which is a reality of I'm giving up of myself for you. Right. That's really what he's saying. Send me. I'll go wherever I need to go. And so I'm like, do you have that mentality with God? Are you like, are you willing to do whatever you can do for the Lord? And he was like, man, my dad's praying that I would. My dad's been praying that I'd be religious. I mean, these are his words, not mine. And he goes, I just don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know enough. So I just kind of gave out a wristband and began to walk him through the scriptures. And it's easy to me. Okay. Pause for a second. Isaiah here, 17 year old kid, waiter tattoo. His dad's been praying for him to know the Lord, right? And I'm not kidding in front of me is queso. And it was really good queso. And then one of the guys added a whole like jar of meat, literally just dumped it in. And I was like, this is getting good. I'm not kidding. A lot of us would never see the Isaiahs because the food's right in front of us. We'd look at our fellowship. 
And we'd say, you know what? I don't really care about all this. But when you begin to put your focus on somebody else, God can move. And that's what Paul is saying. Look, please, one another, take off your focus on yourselves and put it on somebody else, because that's exactly what Christ did. Now, I know that's a silly illustration of, of wanting to eat and turning around looking to somebody. But you guys, we have that opportunity all the time. All the time we could give up our schedules and give it to somebody else. Cool part is, is Isaiah said yes to the Lord in San Antonio. Um, that story has actually impacted. I've, it's kind of funny. The people that we were with, I've heard two people that were with us. I don't even hardly know them. I got an email today that described just a simple sentence of what that did for him. And then I had a phone call with somebody else that that has literally rocked this person's world to the point where they've already ordered wristbands and Bibles. And now they want to share. I didn't even know these people. But when you look to please somebody else, it could impact more people than you know. Scripture continues on in verse 5, 6, and 7. Uh, now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement allow you to live in harmony with one another according to the command of Christ Jesus. Scripture continues on in verse 6, so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus with a united mind and voice, which means you're getting along. <laughs> Therefore, accept one another. So what do you know, Kevin? There it is again. Accept one another. Embrace one another, right? The whole the whole theme is, is it's on somebody else. Focus on them. Just as a Messiah also accepted you to the glory of God. What an awesome picture here. Now, I'm going to skip through something here on purpose. When you look at verse 14, let's go back to verse 8, Kevin. Uh, I thought because of time, I just I want to unfold something here. For I say that the Messiah became a servant of the uncircumcised on behalf of God's on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises to the fathers. And so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, and I will sing psalms to your name. And again it says, Rejoice you Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord all you Gentiles, and all the peoples should praise him, right? Because the gospel is coming to the Gentiles. Okay, it's pretty clear in verse 8, it says the Messiah became a servant of the circumcised, on behalf of God's truth, to confirm the promises to the Father. And then it goes to the Gentiles. Then it says in verse 12, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will appear. The one who rises to rule the Gentiles, the Gentiles will hope in him. So the hope can go from the, the Jewish people and also to the Gentiles. There you see the hope of Christ going to both people groups. And in verse 13, it says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Kevin, the gospel has gone now to which people groups? Both the Jew and the Gentile. Both the Jew and the Gentile. That's really important to understand. The Gentiles will hope in him. Verse 14, now we're beginning to trans uh, transition into Paul's perspective. My brothers, I, I myself am convinced about you that you are also are full of goodness filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. In other words, now he's going to start talking about his ministry to the Gentiles. Nevertheless, I have written to remind you more boldly on some points because of the grace given to me by God to be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, serving as a priest of God's good news. In other words, he's saying, I'm here to deliver and talk about the sin, uh, the death, and the love of God through Christ. When you have faith in him, you'll get eternal life. That's what we're talking about. He says, that's my mission. My purpose is that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And it continues on. Therefore, I have every reason. I have, I have reason to boast in Jesus Christ regarding what pertains to God. 
For I would not dare say anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, by the power of miraculous signs and wonders, and by the power of God's Spirit. As a result, I have fully proclaimed the good news about the Messiah. And he gives a, re- a region from Jerusalem all the way around till Illyricum. Excuse me if I said that wrong. Scripture then says, so here it is, and I love verse 20 of Romans 15. My aim is to evangelize where Christ has not been named so that I will not build on somebody else's foundation. So as an apostle, Paul is now saying, I'm going to take the the gospel to the Gentiles as far as I can to where nobody's ever been. And he says, but as it is written, those who were not told about him will see. And those who have not heard will understand. He's talking about the Gentiles according to God's plan. He says, that is why. I have been prevented many times from coming to you. Who's he talking to? Roman believers. He said, I've been trying to come to you, but I have been prevented. Uh, But now I no longer have any work to do in these provinces. And I strongly have desired for many years to come to you. So like my work is kind of done. I've, I've shared the gospel in these certain regions. Now I'm ready to come to you. Okay, he says, whenever I travel to Spain, for I hope to see you when I pass through. So I'm on my way, Kevin, where to? Spain. And where does he want to stop? Rome. In Rome. And he says, and to be assisted by you for my journey there, once I've first enjoyed your company for a while. In other words, I want to pass through. I'm on my way, but hey, let's hang out. You can encourage me. You can assist me. You can breathe life into me is what he's saying so that I can continue on. But here's where I want to hang out for the rest of today. Okay. I know we've kind of flown through some stuff here, but in verse 25, okay, we already know Jesus has it's clearly said the gospel is supposed to go to the Jew and the Gentile. The Apostle Paul says, by the way, my ministry is to uh, the Gentiles. That's what he says. Now, in verse 25, he says, right now, here's what I'm doing. I'm on my way. I'm traveling to Jerusalem. And what's my goal? My goal is to serve the saints. Verse 26 says, for Macedonia and Achaia. Okay. We're pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Paul, he's on his way to where, Kevin? Jerusalem. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's been interacting with believers from Macedonia and Achaia, okay, in the Greece area. And they actually gave Paul money. So it says, to make a contribution for the poor. Okay, Kevin, he's delivering money to who? To the poor. To the poor in what city? Jerusalem. So he has money from believers in Macedonia and Achaia, okay, on his way to Jerusalem. And this money is coming from saints. Why would saints in Macedonia and Achaia pour into saints in Jerusalem? Like, why is this a part of Paul's mission work? An apostle who's been called to spread the gospel. Why? Why does he even care about being a guy who, uh, you know, passes the basket down in the church service? It says, yes, they were pleased. And indeed are indebted to them. So the believers from Macedonia and Achaia are indebted to the saints in Jerusalem. But Kevin, that's not even in the same country. But their family. Their family, and the scripture says, for if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual benefits. So family, meaning spiritual family. If the the Gentiles in Macedonia and Achaia have received spiritual benefits, Rich, what would be one of the spiritual benefits that the Gentiles have received from this, from from Jerusalem. Uh, well, Jesus, he was Jewish. So the main one of a benefit would be like, hey, look, you're Jewish. You're in Jerusalem. 
You gave us Jesus. That's a great benefit. We're going to bless you. It doesn't even mean that the Jews actually have to receive anything. But why wouldn't they? (laughs) So Paul's coming and he's coming with money. He's bringing money to the Jewish believers because in a weird way, I don't know how to describe this, they're poor and they started it all. Verse 28 says this, So when I have finished this and safely delivered the funds to them, Brink, what is that one? Brink? Brinks. Yeah, this is, this is Paul. Brinks. He's delivering the funds. He's escorted by the camels. And he says, I'll visit you on the way to Spain. Maybe he's even saying, I'm going to come and collect some funds. Maybe. Maybe this is a fundraiser. I'm actually quite serious. Hey, I'm on my way to pour into these guys. These guys have given money. Why wouldn't you give money? Why else would he put this in there? I think it's a both and. And so this is kind of a fun process. Uh, Keep going, Kevin, if you would, please. I know that when I come to you, I I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. In verse 30, now I appeal to you, brothers, through our Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit to join with me in fervent prayers to God on my behalf. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea, that the gift I am bringing to Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. In other words, pray that I could actually deliver it to them, that nobody would capture me, nobody would take me hostage, and nobody would take the money. I want to bring the money to the saints, and that they would be excited about the money. In verse 32, it says, And that, by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed together with you. Like, by being having fellowship. Like, you know, we had a lot of people in the town, you guys, this last week. It was refreshing, wasn't it? It was fun. It was fun to hang out with, you know, friends and family. Laura actually got to come this time. My parents came. We had Rhonda Summers come from Flint, Michigan. We had Tina Etter. We had Barbara. We had Kristen from Flint. Like, we had people. We had Joel Helmuth come in from Indiana. We had Ryan Schreg from Florida, Kayla Beachy. Like, there was something about us just being together and getting refreshed. Just being in the presence of one another. And he says, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. And then he says in verse 33, the God of peace be with all of you. Amen. All right. Here's where I want to go with this today. I'm pretty excited about this. I want to talk about the Jerusalem collection. I want to talk about the funds that Paul raised from believers. Why did he do this? And then really, why did the believers even need this? Well, first of all, the Jerusalem collection, okay? It's a financial gift collected from various churches in Greece and Asia Minor. Okay, and it was sent here it is to the impoverished mother church in Jerusalem under the leadership of the Apostle Paul. It consumed a good deal of Paul's uh, communication with the Gentile churches. He came in, he preached the gospel and he collected money, not for himself. At times, God provided that way, but it was really for the mother church. And in fact, it was for the mother church back in Jerusalem to let them know that they played a significant part in allowing Paul to come out and do this. If the Jerusalem church didn't send him out, they wouldn't be hearing about the gospel. So now let's go back and sow into that congregation. So what we really believe is that the Jerusalem collection was not only a relief fund, okay, that Paul used to collect and and pour into believers in Jerusalem, but I also think it's a model. I think it's a model and a pattern actually for for Gentiles and Jews today of ways that we can bless the Jewish people. 
of ways that we can pour into the Jewish people, Gentiles have received the best gift ever. Whether the Jews believe it or not, that's okay. We believe as Christians that Christ is our Savior. We believe that He came from the Jewish roots. And so even if they say no, we still, Scripture says, we want to we want to bless and 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 uh, give them the material needs that they desire. Sounds kind of silly. Sounds like a weird deal, doesn't it? Like, hey, let's go share the gospel and collect funds for Jerusalem. But yet that's really what the Apostle Paul did. So I want to walk through just three simple things. Okay, it's not very long. You know, Paul understood the value of the Gentile church investing back into Israel financially and spiritually. And so it really occupied a whole lot of his writing and his teaching. And we can actually learn a great deal from Paul's motivation, I think, from behind the Jerusalem collection. So first of all, okay, one of the reasons is, is it's help for the poor. Help for the poor. Paul wanted to help the poor Christians in Jerusalem, okay, as a demonstration of the love of God, okay, that the Gentiles had found in Christ. Like they wanted to pour out their love that they had found and pour into the, into the Christians, uh, specifically Jewish believers or Christians in Jerusalem. Now, I would even say, I would take it one step farther and even just say, I would just love to bless the Jews. Okay. Now, is that different than Paul? I'm just saying my, my obligation is, is just, look, I've received a benefit from the Jewish people. I'm just going to pour into them. And the best way you can do that is, first of all, help for the poor. If you go to Kevin, to 2 Corinthians 8, 8 through 9. Okay. Uh, Scott McKnight actually just kind of put some of these pieces together. One of the commentaries, 2 Corinthians 8, 8 through 9, that I think is very helpful. And he says this, look, I'm not saying this is a command rather by the means of diligence of others. I'm testing the genuineness of your love. Verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich for your sake, he became poor so that by his poverty, you might become rich. If you go to verse 19, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 19 Scripture then says this, and not only that, but he was also appointed by the churches to accompany accompany us with this gift that is being administered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. This is a cool picture, you guys. All throughout Scripture, you're going to see (laughs) that Paul gave the funds from other believers to the Jewish people. If you go to uh, Kevin, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 12 2 Corinthians 9, verse 12, For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in the many acts of thanksgiving to God. Verse 13 uh, says, they, they will glorify God for your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with others through the proof provided by the service. I mean, it's all over you guys. Verse 14 says, and they will, they will have deep affection for you in their prayers on your behalf because of the surpassing grace of God in you. And finally, in verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So the Jerusalem collection. Okay, I have no problem even putting the dollar sign or the shekel sign. I don't even know what the shekel sign is, Rich. Uh, I guess it would be this, the new Israeli shekel. Uh, is that, why do we collect this? To help the poor. So if you were like, hey, Kyle, how do I live out Romans 15, you know, 27 and on? Look to see how you can help the poor in Jerusalem. I'm very serious. If Paul did this, why would we not want this to be a model for what we do? Now, number two, okay, another reason for motivation of the Jerusalem collection is unity of the church. Okay, realizing the hesitancy of the Jewish believers to accept 
Gentile converts, new Gentile converts, okay, who didn't follow the Jewish traditions. Paul was motivated to demonstrate to Jerusalem that there was one Lord and one gospel. So there was also one church. So, hey, look, I'm over here. Even if you view me as an immature believer, even if you believe me as a Gentile who says, yes, I know you believe in Jesus. I know I believe in Jesus. One of the best ways to bring the funds is to say we're all unified. We're together. I'm going to help the poor. And we're actually ready for this one body. The Jerusalem collection is actually to show and demonstrate we're one body. It's a cool picture. And then number three and final, this comes from Scott McKnight, by the way. Uh, Number three, that the Jerusalem collection. Now, remember, this is for Paul. Okay, Paul is doing the Jerusalem collection for, for many different reasons. And one of them is maybe it's to stir jealousy. Okay, I want to read through this here. It says, So Paul was called to make known the gospel to the Gentiles. He maintained, this is Paul now in the scriptures, he maintained a deep passion for the Jewish brothers and sisters so that they would come to faith in Jesus as their Messiah. So as a matter of fact, Paul knew that his preaching to the Gentiles would eventually result in his own people coming to Christ as they would be provoked to jealousy. This was Paul's whole philosophy. I'm going to help the poor. I'm going to seek unity. And oh, by the way, if I keep doing this, maybe, Paul thought, maybe it would provoke them to jealousy. And it's fair to assume that this driving passion in Paul also, this is kind of interesting, uh, colored his motivation for the Jewish collection. It's a big picture. And it's a real picture that I believe Paul models really, really well for other believers in the New Testament. So as he goes to other cities, as he goes to other little countries, he's collecting funds to pour into Jerusalem. Maybe this is a weird analogy, but just recently uh, in Paris, uh, what happened? Does anybody know, Rich? Remember what happened in Paris? Yeah, the Notre Dame, Notre Dame, however you wish to pronounce it, uh, burned. It burned. Not completely, but a lot of it burned. And the next thing you know... Have you heard about this? People are just pouring money into this older church. Is that a fair way of saying it? Yeah. I mean, I I think one guy said he was going to donate $115 million. Now, they view it as an icon in the city. I don't know if it's a religious thing or if it's a physical thing. But the point is, they view that as like, that's the icon of this area. Like, this is a source of our faith. And so imagine if that's a building in Paris. Imagine what other believers are thinking about the believers in Jerusalem. I want to soar into, the, soar into them because that's the source. And so why do you do a Jerusalem collection? Why did Paul do this? To help the poor. To create unity between the Jew and the Gentile and to stir jealousy just enough to say, man, you guys are different. I think it's a cool model. I think it's an unbelievable model of how Paul did ministry. We don't have time, but if you really study from Acts 11 uh, all the way even through Acts 15, and then after, and he goes into Acts 18, into the third missionary journey, and then you begin to study First and Second Corinthians, you will actually begin to see this language of the Apostle Paul collecting funds. The Apostle Paul actually collects money. You'll see in 2 Corinthians the administration of the, uh, of the collection. You'll actually even see in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul boasting about the Corinthians' generosity. And it all goes back to Jerusalem. 
I would just say this. If you have a desire to sow into Jerusalem, don't hold back. If you have a desire to sow into the city that sent out as Christians what we believe is the Messiah, sow back into them. If you don't know where, please don't hesitate to talk to us. I'm sure we can help uh, direct those funds to intentionally bless those that are in Jerusalem. So Jerusalem Collection, found in Romans 15, led by the Apostle Paul. Have a great day, guys, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks. Thanks.